All right, so let's get started. So, um, hello everybody. Welcome to uh, hashtag BKOT. Right, we are on episode forty-six. Uh, very exciting to bring on an uh, offshore colleague um, of mine. Um, we've met through. Um, how, I forgot how we met. I think it was just uh, him being out in the UK and doing this similar objectives that we are. Um, came about together through um, literally an email, and here we are today to talk about uh, bookkeeping systems and how to you know, kind of integrate and use them with your offshore staff. And so Malcolm Palmer, Managing Partner A4G LLP, joins us today. Malcolm, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I run an accountancy practice in the UK. We've got um, about 70 people uh, in, a, in a mix of different locations um, in um, UK and offshore. Uh, practice has grown from over 25 years, never had a year where we didn't grow. And um, we've, sort of, we've sort of built it really on the premise that we do about 70% of what we do is repeat work all the stuff that people have to have done and 30% is the stuff they get a value from. But the model really is that um, if you look at where our clients come from, the 90% of our clients come to us for that 30%, for that, that value added stuff, the stuff they get a benefit from. But of course, once we've got them, we keep them year after year and different needs and wants arise. It's, it's all about getting that balance between delivering the routine stuff well and efficiently so that you can then um, earn, earn the real profits by doing all the, all the clever stuff. Yes, absolutely. Now, let's go uh, a few steps um, to see how it all got started. So how long have you been um offshoring in, in general and 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 then specifically when did it start with bookkeeping or did it start with bookkeeping no funny enough bookkeeping was fairly late to the uh to the game really we we um we took on our first offshore member of staff in late 2003 and we sort of looked at a few outsourcing services that were around then you know it was pretty early days there wasn't many people doing it <clears throat> and, and it just didn't quite fit our model. You know, we didn't like the thought of, um, of just giving all our work to another company who then do it in their way. We, you know, we really wanted to have people offshore that became part of our organisation and that, that we could get doing the work in a way that fitted with, you know, with everything else. So um, we put a little ad um, in... I think it was the Delhi Chamber of Commerce newsletter um, or maybe an Indian Chamber of Commerce or something like that. And we had a few people that um, contacted us and they filled in the questionnaire that we completed. And some of them, you know, it was utterly disastrous and, you know, what they sent us was rubbish. And, um, but, you know, a couple of, um, a little firm um, out there, did quite a good spec and we, we started taking one or two people on um, at that point really. And um, the, the, the whole premise has been, and, and, and different firms, you know, they could, you don't have to buy completely into my philosophy, but, but our whole premise has been that we want to push the work that's done in the background offshore and we want our 
staff in the UK to be freed up to spend more time talking to the clients. You know, um, no, you know, nobody ever left their accountant because um, you know the, um, the the end of year accounts weren't um, formatted in the right style, or um, you know, they, they, they but they they leave their accountant because their accountant didn't return their calls or they didn't get any advice on all these things. So, um, you know. The staff in the UK were just drowning in accounts and paperwork and all the routine stuff. So over the time we've been doing it, it's, it's been all about shifting work, that sort of work away from them. The bookkeeping was interesting because I'd sort of spent the first half of our business really avoiding bookkeeping. Um, you know, we, we had relationships with one or two um, local um, all ladies, as it happened, um, bookkeepers, and you know, we'd recommend clients to them, and they'd recommend clients to us. And sometimes the quality wasn't what we wanted it to be. And um, my partners um, really felt that we should have a book, our own internal bookkeeping arrangement, so that so that we could offer the whole solution, really, um, rather than it being a, um, a, an important profit-making section of business. Again, it's just a way of keeping those clients tight to us and providing them with all those services. So um, the, you know, the, the bookkeeping was, you know, was way behind accounts, tax returns, our internal um, work that, that we do, even HR stuff. Um, we were doing before bookkeeping and um, but once we sort of launched that bookkeeping business we felt it was very important that a big percentage of the repeat work was going to be done offshore so and that sort of progressed over the last five six years really. Now when um, when talking about the uh, the, the value-added task in which, you know, the your folks in the UK should be doing, but they're not returning a phone call. I mean, that is critical. And so you're absolutely right how um, offshore staff, these uh, processes in place and, and identifying the roles and tasks, which could be done by a remote worker, anybody. And so it, it's it's very important. And, and I always find that um, folks are just always... Um, 60 70 percent of the time they're just working in that administrative side or compliance side and doesn't it doesn't have to be like that and so what um what would you say that some of the biggest challenges um are to 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 getting this off the ground and and uh that you've seen working with clients yeah i mean the biggest challenge is winning the hearts and minds of um some of your senior team um, in the uk and you know we we had um we had a lady working for us who was very loud and opinionated and um you know was always telling um, everybody internally how important she was to the firm um but in fact was a you know um it, it was funny how how many things that went wrong in the firm seemed to have involved her you know and she, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to sound, make it sound like it's one person. It, it, you know, it, it, she was the worst of of a, of a few people, and you, um, 
she she left about two years after we started offshore and I think I did a little dance when she went out the door because she really didn't want it to happen you know she wasn't she was a qualified accountant she wasn't capable of delivering those value-added services so therefore the compliance stuff was like a comfort blanket it was like you know hang on I need to hang on to this work because I don't you know I don't want to do this other stuff and it's too hard and I think you've got to set, you've got to, you've got to talk to your team about why it's important. Um, if, you know, if it's just about cost, then, um, you know, you, you can't lie to your team. They're going to, they, you know, they're going to smell that. So they need to see what's in it for them. And, and what's been in it for our team is that it has allowed people to progress much quicker. You know, if somebody's doing a, a repeat job and they're capable of doing a bit more, you can't promote them into that next job up unless you've got somebody to take the work away that they're doing at the moment. Otherwise, it's all going to fall down, right? Yeah. So um, the you know, I made it very clear to people: look, you know, you get your systems right. We bring in somebody. Um, offshore to do that work you train them up get it running really smoothly and then this is what I want you to do after that and you know and it's so important that you, you tell them that this is what I want you to do after that because otherwise they're just going to be thinking well what am I going to be doing you know perhaps perhaps I'm going to train this person up and then I'm out so you've got to get you've got to get the people behind it um, and you've, you've got to um, you've got to perhaps teach them how to work with somebody offshore. Um, the lady I mentioned, uh, um, I think I, I think I said this to you before when we were on a, um, we, we did a little presentation before, um, I, I caught her saying one day, India got this wrong. And I went, whoa, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. This is a country with a billion people in it. You can't, <laughs> you can't pin this one account, Sarah, on an entire country. And, um, but it, you know, it, it just... So it, dramatic, wow. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. India got this wrong. You know, if one of our, I said, if one of our juniors got it wrong, you wouldn't say juniors got this wrong. You wouldn't blame all of our juniors for one person's mistake. And, um, you know, it was difficult to get some of those people talking. I mean, actually talking to um, colleagues offshore. And yep. the pandemic's been, has been, fantastic for I mean you know we, I think we were pretty good at it already but once the pandemic happened I, I did a little office email to all my team um one weekend and I said we're all offshore now um you know because here we were you know I was sitting here you know there's a, ended up with a big dent in this chair I sat spent so many bloody hours sitting in it you know and um and it, it I think it kind of brought home to everybody that it doesn't matter where you know where you are um we're all you know we're all working in this way and even though we're sort of back to normal now you know we're still we a lot of us work from home a bit more often than we did and it's just it's just a much more fluid um, way of working but you know you've, you've got to get you've got to get your team to buy into that um and if you think that you can just take this big lump of work and throw it um, out there and hope that it's gonna stick. It is not, you know. It, it you've you've got to you've got to plan this. You've got to have 
um, thought through how you're going to deliver the work, what the reporting structures are going to be, you know, between the different people involved. No, you know, no different to any other big challenge, um, really. I, yeah, I, I uh, that was a great story. I, I could easily relate. Um, and it's, it's about, <clears throat> like you said, the attitude and the mindset of folks. She, she didn't say this particular person. She said the whole country. And so that that type of thought process, though, is um, uh, it's a little bit difficult to work with because there there's there's no open minded. Uh, they're not open minded whatsoever. And you can't have some folks um, um, with the whole offshoring concept. You can't have some all in. You can't have some not for it. And you can't have some you know kind of debating both sides and going back. And it just won't work. You got to have everybody on the same page in the right mindset. And if it's not right for the firm, it's not right. But you have to at least try, explore, and see what the options are. But yeah, it, it, and you're not always going to get you know, 100% buy-in, but you'll get majority where everyone sees the benefit and sees and understands, right, this is all about complementing our, our our local team, remote team, onshore team, whatever you want to call it. Or it's about the um, uh, uh, reducing the workload, um, being able to help them serve their clients better. And when you start seeing the value, yeah, I mean, this thing takes off. And so uh i could easily relate to what you're saying now when um uh so we we talked about kind of how to get this how to get this um initiated but yeah that's the biggest question i get is the workflow process right so can you talk a little bit about some um the systems in, in place or is it more about documenting it is it more about using technology is it a combination or let's hear your thoughts on that yeah, so our um, so to our sort of I'm a bit of a systems anorak, and um, there's a, a book called um, that um, you, you may have read called The E Myth Revisited by a guy called Michael Gerber, and um, the E Myth, the entrepreneurial myth, is that people run businesses, whereas in fact most of them work in a business that they also own. And if you take them out of that business, the business ceases to exist, you know. So um, the, you know, there's a lot in the e-myth about um, how Ray Kroc bought into the McDonald brothers business and friendship, you know, and replicated it over and over again. And, and, and I was, you know, years before we had started offshoring, we were, we'd be, we were growing quite well. Um, but there was just lots of silly little details that were going wrong. And um, the, 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 I had a, we were part of a bigger firm back then. I'd, um, I sort of broke away a few years later. But so I had this senior partner. Um, he was a really good guy. You know, he was a good sounding board for a few things. And I said to him, um, you know, about all these silly little things that were going wrong. You know, I'd get a phone call from a client. who would say, oh, we've got this letter from you, Malcolm. And it says that form XB3 is in the envelope and there's no form in the envelope. And you just go, oh, God, you know, this is stupid, you know? And I'd sort of moan at my admin member of staff and how can you send this out when the form's not in the envelope? And, um, and then I read the e-myth and the e-myth is all about systems. So I started to write these systems and you know anytime anything went wrong i wrote a system and that started to help improve things but actually it didn't it didn't solve the problem because people need had to know that there was a written system and if 
they didn't know there was a written system or they, they didn't know they were responsible for it and they still weren't going to follow it, you know. So um, I sort of revisited it a couple of years down the line and I realised that the mistake that I'd made was to focus on the systems. Whereas what I should have done is, um, well, not to focus on the systems, but to start with the systems. What I should have done is I should have started with the roles. And roles are so important within an organisation and they're so, they're so badly misunderstood by most organisations. Most people think that each person in their business has a role, whereas in fact, they, most people have several roles within the business and there are certain roles which you know, we call them multi-roles, where there's a pool of work which is shared out amongst a group of people. So to, um, to make your business, um, to sort of break through that you know, 10, 11 member of staff type size, you know, a lot of people struggle to get past that. That's almost their cap. You know, they can manage a business of that size. They don't get beyond it. And part of the reason they don't get beyond it is because they haven't properly documented the different roles that exist within the business. Um, I mean, I could bang on about this for hours and you'd probably be nodding off um, over there, Chris. So, um, you know, I won't go into any more detail other than to say that if you, you, know, if you can identify those key roles in your business and all the responsibilities that go with it, then when you allocate those roles to individuals, they know what they're responsible for. The detail behind it may have to follow. They may have to work out some of that detail themselves, but at least they know they're responsible for it. So, you know, you may have a role called offshore coordinator and, you know, um, that's not a role in our organisation, but because, you know, um, but that might be a good place to start if you're new to offshoring. And, and you set out the responsibilities for the offshore coordinator. You know, that they need to make sure that the offshore staff have got enough work to do. They need to um, teach the onshore staff um, the, you know, ways of managing. They need to make sure that the IT is working. You know, set out all of these responsibilities and give it to one person. If you give it to two people, it never works, you know. You've got three situations then. Either both of them will do it, which is inefficient, um, one of them will do it and one won't, great, but possibly neither of them will do it, which is the most likely scenario. So you just need, need one person to, to do those things. And then, and then from there, you, you've got an infrastructure to build from. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, and, and our whole systems methodology comes from that. You know, that's where the, our bookkeeping approach is all based on these key roles. I mean, we've got this account manager role and bookkeeping specialist role. And, and for us, the account manager is always in the UK. Um, now, that may change in years to come, you know, as um, this just, we, we, we feel at the moment, because the account manager is all about the relationship with the client. Yep. So, you know, they meet the client when we're going to do the bookkeeping. Um, they allocate the work to the bookkeeping specialist. The bookkeeping specialist can be anywhere in the world. You know, they could be one of our juniors that we've, you know, taken on straight out of school and we want to train them up with those skills. They could be in, in India, you know, they, they could be just working from home 15 miles down the road, but, you know, have a disability that makes it unable for them to get into the office. It, you know, it really doesn't matter um, where that bookkeeping specialist role is, but they sit in the background and they do the work and then they push it back to the account manager 
who, who then communicates it across to the client. And, and, and then all the systems we've written all support those roles. Yeah. And, and, and what you're saying is a perfect way to get started because sometimes I feel that uh, folks get overwhelmed or they just um, can't identify or trying to complicate something that's just very easy, right? You need to identify, right? The roles, the tasks, the activities, how many hours is that? Who's going to be kind of the anchor, what you're saying, your coordinator onshore, and just getting all that set up. And then, you know, you can are interested in working with associates anywhere you're ready. But I, I do find that a lot of folks do both at the same time. <laughs> They're just like, I don't know what to do, how to go about it, but I'm going to do everything at once. And it becomes definitely overwhelming. So if you have that, you know, kind of pre-work in the beginning, then yeah, it starts to, uh, things will build out a lot smoother for sure. Um as we uh, as we are winding down, um, can you share some us uh, an expert tip or some any final thoughts with us before we go today? Uh, an expert tip. Well, I could always just have a little look at our website, but uh, <laughs> um, I mean, we're, you know, we're an accountancy practice. We we have a little a little sideline here where we help other accountancy practices get their um, get their bookkeeping offering um, or payroll offering. Um, up and running so you know if you just if you google a4g offshoring you'll you'll find a page there um i think um what would i what do i give as the number one tip i think i think the first thing is just to think about what um identify the work that you want to that you want to offshore that's that's your first thing and then then create a role around it so you know it could be payroll it could be bookkeeping it could be accounts preparation um but you know start with start with one thing don't don't expect you can just bring somebody in and just to do a, a bit of everything you know you're trying to create a um you know you're, you're trying to create your, your factory your workshop in the in the background so you start with something that you know you can um that there's a lot of it and um, the, it, it's a lot of it is repeat stuff. And, um, and just and get that right, you know, just, just work at it and work at it and work at it. And when you've got that right, you can move on to something else in a few months time, you know, and or, um, that, that, that would be my advice. Yeah, what you're saying is a gradual approach. You know? and, 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 and so you may have, you know, eight positions open, two positions, whatever it may be, you just got to start slow, identify where what's the priority 1A per se, and, and get and get this rolling. And and I, and I agree, the um, what you guys do in helping the, the practice out is, is very important. And, and then folks out there in the accounting industry need resources to get them through these new times of virtual digital age. I mean, for us, just sat here, the whole time and uh, not much has changed, right? I've worked remotely for several years. It's not easy, but when you, when you, once you uh, practice it and you live it, um, it's made, and now folks are realizing that anybody can do it. So um, thank you for your time today, Malcolm. Really appreciate you sharing your ideas and thoughts and uh, for bookkeeping, especially, uh, that's what I was going to say, bookkeeper, a lot of clients that I, I work with don't want to take it on. And this is a great opportunity to take it on and not having to do 
right? So much where you just onboard the clients in a, in a certain way and then you have the systems processes in place. It's a whole new revenue stream. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, folks, check out the A4G uh, offshoring uh, on Google search or a4g-lop.co.uk and check them out. Malcolm, again, thanks so much. Have a good rest of your evening. We'll talk soon. Thank you.